I invite you to turn with me to Acts 20, 28. Acts 20. Verse 28, before I preach, I'd like to pray. I'd like to pray for us and on behalf of us. Will you pray with me? And if you agree with these prayers, would you conclude this time in saying amen? So let us pray. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we come and we are a needy people and we are a people of unclean lips in the midst of a nation with unclean lips. We need you to touch our tongues with your gracious kindness and mercy and refining fire. Oh God, we live in a nation that is divided and rebellious. And we among them, there's not one of us, Father, that can say that we have surrendered our complete allegiance to You in all things at all times. Oh God, we often are running to our own way, our own kingdom rather than Yours. Forgive us, O Lord. Oh God, we can look at all the chaos in our capital and in our country, but oh God, I pray that we would care about our own hearts in our own church, and our own family. And I pray that we would be humbly dependent on You. Forgive us of our sin and forgive us help to live faithful in a world that is divided and distraught and often depressed and deranged, yet still dependent on every breath from their Maker, whether they acknowledge You or not. Oh God, I pray that You'd be hallowed in the way we live and repent and carry ourselves. The way we talk, our presence on social media, and everything that we do. God, make us a praying community, an intergenerational community, a Bible community, a covenanting community, a great commission community, an evangelistic community, a every member serving community, a gathered shepherded, and gospel community. God, I pray that you'd be with the churches that are around here, including First Baptist of Fenton, who is, because of COVID, in their church had to meet online this morning. I pray that you'd minister to James Bell and the church there. I pray for all our other brothers and sisters in other churches. Would you minister and grow and strengthen them? I pray that you'd be with our brothers and sisters in Cameroon and the churches that we're partnering with there. I pray, God, that you would be with Brother Livingston and the churches in India. God, I pray that you'd be with those that are online right now or will watch later and connect. I pray that you'd minister to them. I pray that you'd encourage them. Would you allow for the for the condition in our country, including with this virus, to, to be the circumstances to be that they would be able to return very soon. I pray for wisdom. I pray for protection against division within families and with churches where uh, this pandemic has struck us. God, please now help me, help us as we engage in your word and with your truth. In Jesus' name, amen.
Acts 20, as Paul was gathering the elders of Ephesus together, Ephesus together, he gathered them, and among many other things, he said to them this, shepherds, elders, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all of the flock of God in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which He obtained with His own blood. If you are saved, if you have been rescued by His grace, you are the church of God. And you are called to gather together and be overseen by shepherds in the church of God, and you have been purchased by His blood, like we just sang. This morning, I'm going to do something a little bit different, a lot different than I normally do on a Sunday morning. This morning's message is not a normal sermon. Um, Next week, I will continue in the sermon psalm series, and we'll preach from Psalm chapter 8. But this morning, because we had a members meeting at 10, and we had a shorter service, I I decided to go a little different direction. I want to do something different. This last October, I celebrated five years of being at this church. Can you imagine? I've been here a senior pastor for five years. The time has flown by really quickly. I've been in ministry for about 20 years. I know there's no way I look that old, but I am. Um, At least my kids remind me that I'm old. It surprised me when, something surprised me that I heard this this fall. A pastor said that I greatly respect. He says, by the time you've been at a church for about 10 years, the the church has taken on the characteristics of you, and that's what they're going to get. The the cement gets hardened by about 10 years, and that's where you're going to be, at least in the flavor, the DNA, the atmosphere. And it made me think, okay, I got five more years till 10. What kind, of, what kind of footings are we creating and setting? What kind of, what's the DNA or the atmosphere, the heartbeat of Faith Church of Linden? What is the direction of where are we going? And I spent time at a cabin in October right after the men's retreat and just prayed, God, God, what would you have for me as a senior pastor here, as a pastor of Faith Church of Linden? What have you taught me? What are you teaching me through your word and through other people about the church ministry? And I wrote down nine to ten things that are, were just like, boy, they were, they're coming out at me as really, really important realities in our lives. Things that I care as a leader of a flock for for me to have in my own life and for you to have and for us to experience as a church. And so I wanted to share with you not a 10-point sermon, but 10 prayer requests, 10 things that I'd ask you to pray for, but in turn, you will listen, and I pray that God would encourage your heart to go away from this morning. If you're not a member of this church, you'll say, okay, these are biblical, and even if faith church isn't God calling me to faith church, I need to find a church that these kinds of things are a priority. And if you are a member of this church, you would say, God, help me, help us, we, together, in these ten things. And if you're not a Christian, but you're here, we're so glad you're here. 
Maybe you're just trying to figure this out about what is Christianity or religion. We want to bring you into, I think, the most glorious thing. First is a relationship, a saving, forgiving relationship with God bringing you to himself and then bring, being brought into something called the church where a lot of people say, oh, it's been a bad experience. I pray that you'll experience the family of God in Christ here at faith or wherever God would lead you. We are called to be a kind of a community, a community with shared, shared values and that values that are driven by this word shared person or united in Christ, a shared locality. We actually gather, we see each other, we worship, we sing, we commit to one another. And so I wrote down 10 things, 10, 10 aspirations, prayer requests about God would stir your heart to to where you're not already there, join in. Where you're already joining in, renew your strength and be encouraged and challenged and to pray. To pray with all your heart. So here they are. Number 10, I wrote down in different ways how to say it, but I said another way of saying it is what kind of community do I think God wants us to become as Faith Church of Linden? Here they are. Number one, to be a praying community. I pray that we as a church would become a praying people even more. I believe God has brought us somewhat there and we're growing in that. We grow to be a praying people, that you would be a praying person. Young people, teenagers, children, seniors, and those that are in their 90s, that we would all pray and seek, always recognizing every moment that apart from God, we can do nothing. We need God to bless these Sunday morning gatherings, so we pray. We need God to to bless the pastor as he preaches, so you pray. We need God to bless the hearers, so we pray. We need God to bless our parents as we raise our children in the Lord, so we pray. We need God to help our Sunday school teachers, so we pray. We need God to help our women's ministry and men's ministry and small groups, so we pray. We need God to help anything we do. We're helping somebody move, so we pray. We pray, we seek God, and what we mean by that is we talk to God, and we say, oh God, I need you to help. Would you bless with your presence in a way that would draw us to you? Jesus said to the disciples, you're meant to bear fruit, but so abide in me, cling to me, for apart from me you can do nothing. And I think that one of the ways he said is the way you abide is through being in this book, being together, being accountable, and praying and seeking me. I, I could spend a whole easily sermon series on this subject, and I'm not. But if you were to look through Acts, you would see God leading God's people to pray in Acts 1 before Pentecost and before the Holy Spirit came down. They were devoted, the pastors and just deacons, the apostles were devoted to prayer and the ministry of the word. When Peter was in prison, they were praying and God opened the gates of the prison for Peter to come out. When they were appointing elders and seeking decisions, they prayed. They devoted themselves to prayers. Oh, that we, you and I would be that. Let's, let's spur one another on. Would you pray for one another? Would you take the church directory? And if you don't have one, ask for one. We'd love to give it to you. And pray by name for everybody. Pray for me, but pray for everybody. Pray for your family. Let's let's be a praying church. Be a praying community even more. 
if we want anything good to happen, including the next nine things, it's God that's going to do it. Unless the Lord does it, our labors are in vain. Psalm 127.1. Let's be a praying. Let's pray that God would help us to be a praying community. The second thing is I pray that we would be an intergenerational community. Number two, an intergenerational community. You know what I mean by generation? A generation, I mean age group. So I'm in my 40s. It would not be a good thing if our entire church was just in their 40s. That wouldn't be good. It wouldn't be good if our entire church was in their 80s. And it wouldn't be good if our entire church was in the 20s. At this church, that God has given us people of all different ages, young and old. We're not a young church. We're not an old church. We're a church intergenerational. But what I mean more by pray God make us an intergenerational community is that we grow to so deeply love each other, not just based on our age group that we hang out with and our peers at that station of life, but that we, we adopt aunts and uncles and adopt nephews and nieces that aren't really our blood relation, but become our family in Christ. I'm so thankful for the membership. I'm thinking some of the seniors up here or some of you that are online You guys have become dear family to me where I don't have family in this state. And it is meant to be for all of us. But what I mean by intergenerational community is even more than the fact that we have all different ages and we all get along. It means that we we delight in helping each other, the elder generation serving the Lord and praising God to the young generation. And the young generation looking up to the old generation and honoring them and yet helping them and blessing them. It means having a church that has a vision for seniors, senior citizens. If you're a senior in this church, it is God's will for you to keep growing until God takes you home. To grow and to serve and to give and to love. And I'm so thankful that so many of you have that mindset. And you are a blessing. And you'll continue to be a blessing. Like Psalm 92 says, when it says that the righteous flourish like a palm tree. And it says they're planted in the house of the Lord. And they flourish in the courts of God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap. They declare that God is upright. Isn't that awesome? I love that. And I love the fact that Psalm 78 says something like this, We will not hide it to our children, but tell it to the next generation, the glorious deeds of God and His might and His wonders He has done. Oh, I pray that this, what this means is that we as a church will have a vision for our young people, our teenagers, kids, young people, teens. It is not our expectation that you will go and leave home and just live for the world until you kind of figure things out and then come back. God wants you today and tomorrow in the next few years as you enter adulthood to start living with maturity now and follow Jesus as you've seen modeled by your parents. And I pray that we as parents will model a godly, tender, loving faithfulness. Oh, I pray that the young people of this church will not only come up to our maturity as adults right now, but they will surpass us. And we will look to them in the generations to come and say, thank you, God, for working in our young people now, even those who are babies, that they will go forth and be the future missionaries and pastors and deacons and leaders and members who serve the Lord 
it would be God's will for us to pray, God, make us a gloriously intergenerational community where one generation praises God to another generation. And we delight in it. That means that we care and invest in singles and in marriages and divorces that have so painful and in parents and child-rearing to the glory of God. That's the second. To glorify God, we should pray that we'd be a Bible community. I just don't want to assume that. We, we preach the Bible every Sunday morning. We want to make the Bible central. We want to memorize fighter verses, Bible fighter verses. But oh, I pray that we would be a Bible community. And what I mean by that is that we would be so devoted to Jesus with all of the Bible for all of life. If, if I am not faithfully and regularly preaching God's word, you should confront me. And if I don't repent, replace me. And replace the elders. This book is central. We need to be a Bible community for all of the Bible, for all of our lives. It, there's many passages on this. They, Acts 2.42, they were devoted to the apostles' doctrine. That's the word. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and training in righteousness. The man of, so that the man or woman of God would be competent or complete, equipped for every good work. We, blessed is the man, blessed is the family, blessed is the member of Faith Church of Linden who does not live through the counsel of the wicked or the world, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law He meditates day and night. I want, you want, to be a church where we see our children and our families, our marriages, our small groups, our congregation, our community, to be like trees that are planted by streams of water that yields real, real good fruit that lasts, and our leaves do not wither when the sun comes and when the trials come, and all that we do, we prosper. Well, we need that with, to be Bible, a Bible community, a Bible community that learns to read this book and memorize this book, and follow this book, and never be embarrassed by this book, and delight in the truth of this book. The words of the Bible are the very words of God. Our Creator speaks to us through this book. They're completely truthful. They're powerful, these words. They're wise and they're righteous. We should read these words with reverence and awe and with joy and delight. These words, and through these words, God gives us eternal life and He daily nourishes our spiritual lives. Let's be a Bible community. Number four, we are to be a covenanted community. Just a two hours ago at, a, at 10 o'clock, we met for a, our covenant meeting, our members meeting, in which we renewed covenant. We are to be a covenanted community where we said we solemnly and joyfully renew our covenant with one another as the one body in Christ. And we purposed by the aid of the Spirit to walk together in Christian love and to pray for each other and to reconcile when we don't get along and to be committed to sharing the gospel with each other and caring for our own souls and for each other. If I think something, so often churches have, have missed this and lacked this and it, we need to grow and strive to go 
against the grain where it's not happening is we need to be a church that says, I am covenanted with one another. Church isn't just something that I go and get a little spiritual spiritual zap through a message. You can do that with podcasts. Just do that on podcasts. It is meant to show up to be with the people that I've covenanted with. with. And each Lord's Day when I gather, I see people that I have been covenanted with. I don't know everybody, but I'm getting to know some. But everybody needs to be known. Known by leaders and known by one another. And God has brought me together with them and I am committed to them. Because God in His providence brought me into their lives. Ephesians 4 says the whole body is to build one another up in love. And it happens as we commit to one another. I I think one of the greatest gifts that we can provide for each other is a healthy sense of understanding of our covenant with one another. Some of you have gone through some amazing grief this year, some great loss. And even if you don't know some of the, you you know by name some of those that lost dear loved ones, if you're a member, you're covenanted to that person that just lost a dear loved one. And so you should at least tell your mind, tell yourself, okay, through this covenant. And so I'm committed to praying for them. I'm going to seek to get to know them. I'm going to seek to care for them. I'm going to seek to help do what I can to grieve with them and to rejoice with those who rejoice. It is a beautiful thing to protect one another in this covenant called the body of Christ. I pray that we'd be a covenant community that embraces meaningful covenant membership as a family of God, loving each other, caring for each other. Number five, I pray that we would be a great commission community. I know that this sounds what we're supposed to say. Oh, what we need to do that. We, a great commission, that is the call to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. It's called global missions. I, I wrote it down in this way from an influence from John Piper growing up at Bethlehem Baptist. Pray that we would spread a passion for the supremacy of Christ in all things for the joy of all peoples. What I mean by that is let's not be just excited, oh, we need to get missionaries elsewhere. I pray that we would be so in love with God that we would say, where God isn't praised like He ought to be, like such and such country like Cameroon, or Indonesia, or North Korea, I long for Him to be glorified and praised there. And so I'm going to give and I'm going to pray and I'm going to support and I'm going to send and I'm going to pray for my kids because I pray that in this next generation, some of you young people, some of you kids or teenagers or even young adults, God is going to call you to take all of your life and use it up for the greatest cause in the world. And that is to the Great Commission taking of the gospel. And it will be our job to use our wealth to send you and to pray for you and to care for you and support you and send others to help you. We are to say as a church, God, you've blessed us so that we'll be a blessing to the world with the gospel. That is our calling. That is our mission. Very similar is the next point, number six. Oh God, help us to be an evangelistic community. 
Help us to be an evangelistic. What I mean by there, the first Great Commission community, I mean taking and sending to the ends of the earth. What I mean by this in evangelistic community is, would be driven by, I guess we'd call it an, an, an evangelistic fervency. Like just, there's a zeal that's, you see people that are lost and you care about them. And it really bothers you that they don't know Christ. Not because you, you just want... You want to feel good about yourself to share the gospel. You just really care about them. You look at them through Christ's eyes and you see they will never have true joy unless they meet Christ firsthand and are saved. And that we would have evangelistic lifestyles. Paul said unto the Romans, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. Romans 1.16 Paul said to the Philippians, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, if Christ is proclaimed, that I rejoice. Do you desire? Do you have an evangelistic fervency towards the lost people in your own family? Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your parents. If they're grown, if you're grown already, maybe it's your neighbors. The neighbors that you should have gotten to know, but you haven't because you're just shy, but God has put you right there and you need to start taking steps towards caring for them and praying for their soul. It could be your coworker or classmate or somebody that you game with. Oh, I pray that we, we wouldn't look at people through the eyes, just humanly speaking, but we would look at all people through the eyes of eternity. We would have 2 Corinthians 5 type of mentality that knows that we are set up to be ambassadors for Christ. And as ambassadors for Christ, we implore to others that they would be reconciled to God. Life is really short. It it would be a shame for us to go year after year, decade after decade as faith church. And we, we fill our heads with a lot of Bible knowledge and a lot of Sunday school classes and a lot of small groups, and we kind, of, we kind of feel real ashamed about how bad we've cared for the, those that are around us that are going to hell. I mean, the Bible says that if you, if you, if you die without being saved through Jesus Christ, you're going to go to hell, eternal punishment. That's a big deal. And if we're loving people, that's a big deal to us. We need to care about it. God, would you help us to have an ev- make us an evangelistic community? That, mean, that would mean like on Wednesday nights when we get, gather to pray, and Dave or Mike or Scott or whoever leads prayer time, he goes, who has prayer requests for unsaved people? I mean, names are going to come. They're already starting to come. We, got, we have a list of 100 names probably already. What are we doing? Are we, are we zealously pursuing them? Are we praying? Are we asking others to pray? May we be an evangelistic community. Number seven, an ever, every member community. I pray that we'd be an every member community. What I mean by that is, well, I'm going to talk to you now. Okay? So I'm talking to you. That's everybody. All of you that are here this morning or watching, all of you who are members, all of you who are going to become members, you have a job to do. Yeah, you're not left out. You're not allowed to kind of just back away and leave it to me or leave it to deacons or pastors to do the work of the ministry. Not at all. 
you are called to do the work of the ministry according to Ephesians chapter 4, where it says, He gave the apostles and teachers, He gave the apostles, He gave the pastors and teachers to equip the saints. That's my job, the elders' job is to equip the saints. And what I mean, I believe that Paul meant by the saints, it meant all Christians that have been saved by Christ, all of you to do the work of the ministry. You have a responsibility to roll your sleeves up, learn the gospel, learn to, to do it in the way God wired you. Everyone's different. Not everybody's called to be a pastor, a preacher, a teacher. Not everybody's called to... We all have different gifts, but all of you are, are called to a part, to, to care for and minister to one another. I, I love Ephesians 4 says it so clearly. Right after that, he says... The reason why you're to be equipped for the work of the ministry is not so that we can fill nursery jobs. It's not so that we can fill all these slots in the children's workers or on the worship team or cleaning the church rotation. That's not the work of the ministry primarily. The work of the ministry is to build one another up. It is to pray for each other, to encourage one another. It is to learn, learn this word, learn the Bible and learn the truth of God's word and to grow in a relationship with God so that you can encourage one another, that you see somebody else that you're covenanted with or not because you just want them to know Christ and you, you know that God has called you to, to grow and to help them. What that means is if every member is called to ministry in this community, a lot of us need to start growing where you haven't been growing. A lot, of you, a lot of us have this mindset, someone else can do it. That's somebody else's job. All of us read and pray and seek and attend and come in order that we could minister. It is a glorious calling. It's a privilege. It is a joy. It is what we were made for. In fact, if the... the the picture of Ephesians 4 is that, that you would attain the unity of the faith to the true knowledge of the Son of God so that we would no longer be children tossed to and fro by every human cunning, by the craftiness of deceitful schemes. Rather, that we would all as a church speak the truth in love and we would grow up in every way into Christ who is our head from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It's a beautiful picture in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. The body does not consist of one member, but many. All of us are called. I pray, I just say this right now to the members of our church. Members, by your joining our church, you covenanted with us, you have become jointly responsible for whether or not this congregation continues to faithfully proclaim the gospel and live the gospel. Yes, you. That means you are jointly responsible both, both for what this church teaches as well as it's how their members of this church live faithful lives or not. One day, you and I will give an account and stand before God how we use this, staying anonymous, doing little more than passively showing up one or two hours a week on Sundays. Please jump in with the hard and rewarding work of studying the gospel for yourself, doing it with others, building relationships, making disciples, being discipled. 
We all need more hands for the harvest, so we hope you continue to join in this work. If you're not, start now. Number eight, I pray that we'd be a gathered community. And what I mean by that is not, oh, I hope we can get to one service so we can all gather in one service, though I really want us to do that. What I mean by that is, I, I wish I could give you a vision for what I, I, I think that we find in the Bible and what we find in the history of the church. There, there is something really special about gathering as a people on the Lord's Day. And I believe that is a gift that we can give to our children and our children's children is as we gather Sunday after Sunday with intentional prayer for the pastors and leaders and for the members, and you come early enough to, to minister and fellowship with one another, and you pray for the service, and you bring unbelievers who are, growing, who are hungry for truth, and you come attentive to God's Word, ready to take notes, praying for those that are singing, praying for the, well, which is all of us, but praying for the worship team as they prepare, Oh, I, I believe that God intends to meet us as a gathered people in a very special way. I believe that over the years we can look back and we'll say, the Lord surely met us week after week, sometimes through the monotony of our hearts and God was at work in us. It is in those days that our children were discipled as they saw mom and dad putting God first and worshiping him with all their heart. It means that we gather as a people to sing in Jesus' name. And I'll tell you what, if the things are true about Christianity, that Jesus is our true foundation and our salvation and our assurance, and he is pleasure forevermore in heaven, I'll tell you what, we don't sing like it too often. Not enough, I should say. We, we should sing with a type of zeal and joy because he has done that. He has done these things. And I just, I pray that as a gathered community, we would experience the Spirit's transforming and reviving presence in our weekly, weekly Lord's Day gathering in some special ways in the years to come. Would you, would you join in on that and would you pray for that? I believe it's a gift. So often the psalmist will talk about, I remember when I was with God's people gathering, Psalm 42, and God ministered to me there. Oh, I pray and I trust he will. Two more. Number nine a shepherded community, a shepherded community. Pray that we as a church and I as a pastor, the senior pastor, and I and Pastor Mike and I and to our church, pray that we would lead with a plurality of godly qualified servant leaders. They're going to be deacons and elders who are trusted by the congregation because they are fully trustworthy. Listen to these words from Hebrews 13, 17. It is God's will for us to be a shepherded community. It is God's will for you to put yourself in a place where you actually have shepherds who will watch over you and live this out. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they're keeping watch over your souls. Do you have pastors watching over your souls? Find a church that will watch over your soul. As those who will give an account... Now, this is a command of the, the member. Now, let them do that watching over me with joy and not with groaning, because that would be of no advantage to you. And the point I bring here is put yourself under shepherds who will care for, watch over, care about your spiritual condition, pray and protect, lead and feed 
most importantly, faithfully with God's Word and pray for us that we'll do that. I believe that it is God's will for us in the coming years to raise up godly men, elders, to shepherd this flock so that every single member is personally known and cared for, no matter what size we are as a church. That is why we, we must watch over. That is God's intention. That is God's way of keeping us in the faith, Christ Jesus. The last thing I want to say, I pray that we'll be a gospel community, the gospel community. Now that might sound redundant because I already said great commission and I said gospel fervency. What do I mean by gospel community? I pray that we would be so deeply God-centered and gospel-anchored, meaning we'd be that kind of people who seek to know and walk with Him closely in holiness and love. What I mean by this is the gospel gets so deeply rooted in our lives because we can't stop talking about it. I need to preach it and apply it and you teach it in your classes. You teach it at home. You learn the truth that Jesus Christ and what He has done for you. And you never get over it. And it overwhelms you. And it encourages you in your greatest depression and grief. And it encourages you as you face some of the deepest tragedies and pains that you might experience or will experience. It means that letting the gospel, that God is so committed to you and your, not, not your short-term happiness and what you think you want, but to your greatest good forever, that it sets a perspective on everything. It means, parents, we raise our kids not with a bunch of do's and don'ts, and that's it. Because you ought to do it, because you're a pats. No, because God loves you and sent His Son, and He owns you, and yet He is so gracious and merciful. He died on the cross for God sent His Son to die on the cross for your sins. And there is nothing better than being found knowing and loving and trusting in Him. Well, I pray that we'd be a gospel community that grows in holiness. We're clean and pure. Keep ourselves unstained from sin. But also in deep love and graciousness and humility, and generosity, so that the world around us looks at us and our gatherings, those Lord's Day gatherings, and our community, and our commitments to one another, and our prayerfulness, and we're Bible thumpers, and they see that we're so covenantally connected, and everybody's serving together, all of these things, and they go, they're so strange, they're alien to my way of thinking, but I, but I like it. There's something there. There's something real. There's something otherworldly. It's by the Spirit of God. Oh, that God would help us. It is a gift to not, it is the greatest and most glorious gift to be truly known by God in a way that He saves us and brings us into peace with Him, where He says, you're fully forgiven. And not only that, I now promise eternal life. Because I gave you my Son, and you're now united to Jesus because you put your trust in Him. That is the greatest gift in the world. And that gift continues and gets even more applied to our hearts and our lives in an amazing way when we realize He puts us into a community 
of a bunch of sinners who also experience that forgiveness and that grace. And as a bunch of sinners saved by God come together and we live in a a world full of sin and, and a world that's against Jesus, and yet we have His Spirit and we get to shine as lights in the world in this thing called the church. We get to be family in a world that has lost all sense of family. We get to be community where this world has lost the true center of community that can only be in Christ. We get to be a light in a world that has gone really dark in which God has promised to bring light to the hearts and souls of those who are in darkness. Oh, that God would help us. I mean, invite the worship team to come. And I'm going to invite you to pray with me as I ask that God would do this for us. Father.